All right. That's better. Much. I think we can live with that. Okay, first first things first, quick shout out to both Justin and Patrick. They uh, wrote in to say, Mike Switch. Mike Switch. They, uh, so, thanks, guys. I messed with the pan. I think the pan's a little too far off to the sides. All right. Bring those back in a little bit. We had to do a little bit of audio adjustment to make sure everything, because everything was a little bit uh, off last week. But uh, hopefully it's back to normal. We just got done playing. It's, it's Friday, because we figured, hey, why don't we try baking a show? Let's see if we can do it. So we're going to be doing a show tomorrow, and that will probably be, you know, next week or something, or whoever, whenever. I don't know if we're going to hold this show for a while. Well, I am. I do have another vacation coming up. I'm going camping. But we. On... But Heather did say we could do a show Friday next week, okay. and so we yes. could do that. That. So this could be just a show. Well, then I have to thank Patrick and Justin let's, tomorrow. Let's do tomorrow's show as the generic. Oh, generic. Timeless. Show. Okay. Okay. And then this show will be the topical show. All right. Sounds good to me. Um. So I, I guess it was Tuesday. I saw something about drones, like really cheap drones, and I bought one. $50 gyrocopter, you know, for... Uh, quadcopter. Quadcopter. And uh, we just played with it. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it works pretty well. I mean, it, at 50 bucks, you you're getting just basically a stabilized remote-controlled helicopter. Mm-hmm. But it also has a video camera on it, and it flies for a whopping seven minutes per battery. <laughs> <laughs> but... For fifty bucks, it is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's nice. I mean, it, it's sturdy for what it is. It fell a couple times, and it was. Fine. I was worried that it was. I was worried that not having like a soft landing protection on it, mm-hmm. like not having it be able to know it's close to the ground and land soft, was going to be an issue. But the thing is so light, yeah, that it's really not an issue. It doesn't fall that hard. I mean, the motors are still going. It just that's one thing. When it starts going down and it has that momentum, it's hard for the rotors to overcome it. Right. But like you said, it's so light that even if, even if it fell, even if the rotor stopped and it fell, I bet it wouldn't break. Even from pretty high up, it's just right. it's so light. Mm-hmm. So that's an advantage to. to yes, uh, so it has throttle control. It has um, control to rotate it so you can have it face a certain direction, and then it has yaw and tilt and whatnot in four directions. So you can move it around that way. It's pretty cool. It's a nice piece for fifty bucks. It's really cool i mean yeah the the price point for what you get is awesome and then I'm, i bought four extra batteries for it they won't arrive yet until a couple of days but they were like five <coughs> bucks a piece so yeah it's a standard battery i mean tiny little light thing mm-hmm. i read online it takes about two hours to charge and seven minutes to discharge right <laughs> you need super caps man you need to put you know they need to have super cap technology where you can charge it off of you know one of these right but then you won't get $50. No. No. <laughs> $50 toy. I mean, you know, you could, I could get $50 worth of batteries and, you know, run that thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, this was the, this week was a great episode of Mr. Robot. Yeah, it was real good. I, um, I like that they, so, I don't want to, should we spoil it for anybody who's not watching? Um, 
I think we have to spoil it. Yeah. I want that's a big thing to talk about, but um, you know, don't listen if you don't want yeah. the spoiled from the which episode was it? It was episode, episode six. I episode think. six, yeah. The one where he is um, forced to break the guy out of jail. Right. The one that he framed and got well didn't really frame. The one that he uh, turned in. Yeah, he he tipped got, off. The, got the yeah, tipped off. So. What I I mean, first of all, it was very very tight storytelling, uh, and also really good, um, really good art direction too. Uh, yeah, the one like when they were in his apartment and they wanted you know you to feel uncomfortable. The one scene like right after, maybe it was when he was going down to walk the dog, and the way they framed the one bad guy where he was in like the bottom right mm-hmm. corner of the frame, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, and and. You mentioned art direction. I saw that scene. I actually watched that scene again because just the way the character was framed on the thing, it made me uncomfortable. Lots of great stuff like that. Even even the the scene like with with the uh, the the corporate dude in the boardroom was uh-huh. really well shot. And and they when the dynamics of the scene changed suddenly, the shot changed, and like the angle in which you were looking at at each person changed. Oh, yeah. So I mean, the, a lot of really cool stuff there. And and. Also, I mean, I love it when when characters aren't dumb for the sake of the story. Mm-hmm. Right? When when the story lets the characters be smart, so the characters are then driving the story. That's really that's, that's good storytelling. Right. This is good storytelling. Uh, you know, the people who you th- who who you think, oh, they're so duped. No, not not nearly as much as you might think. So that was cool. There was a kind of promise that was fulfilled by this episode um which was when um when the christian slater character mr robot whoever he is told ellie you know there's no way this ends well Mm -hmm. and they fulfilled that promise uh to both elliot and to the viewer right to to okay this is this is not a simple you know, this guy's going to manage to solve every problem situation. If he gets right, into shit, right. he's going to get into shit. I mean, shit. It, it's a bit of Breaking Bad, right? Where, yeah. you know, it's not... He's not going to come out on top every time. And the situation could get away from him. Right. And it could end very badly for Elliot. And so that so that was good. I also think, you know... I said in, like, the first two episodes that I found the Shayla character very interesting. She became less and less interesting as she became more of an archetype but she became simply the hooker with the heart of gold mm-hmm. and then the the blonde girl became more interesting when when all of a sudden her flaws were were made right, manifest right. so i was i was also i mean i wasn't expecting her to be killed at this at the end of this episode but i was i was sort of excited to, to see that the show is willing to go there yeah i mean i was glad i mean you know, there was a bit of foreshadow. I mean, not not way foreshadowing, but like you know, it was like when the guys started like laughing a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and whatnot. I'm like, oh no, she's dead. I before I even realized she was in the trunk. You know, I realized she was gone. And then another really great scene. How they shot that, right? Oh, he, fantastic he, oh, scene! He opens the trunk, and and uh, and you can't see it. The important thing is that. They let that shot breathe, and they let the shot linger. It, it wasn't, and like, it's crazy urgent yeah. because the jailbreak's yeah. still happening in the background. Yeah, and there's starting to be like 
red and blue lights flashing you know coming his way and he's taking his time and it's like oh my god hurry up but it, it, it's not even that i mean it's just the because that you know elliot's clearly crazy and so that, that could be all on his mind but still the the effect the gives you the the you know the idea that this is time slowing down for ellie mm-hmm. you know, this, this yeah. is all, all the stuff happening doesn't matter, but and, without like the heartbeat, right? You know, yeah, without the bump right, bump. and without the, the you know the flash to 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 you know, the to the dead body, and then the flashback to Elliot's face and crying. But no, I was wondering the, if they were going to go the whole scene without even showing the dead body. I mean, it was so powerful. I wasn't sure if they were going to show it. They they probably decided they had. to. They probably but, decided they had to. Yeah, I think I think it was one of those things where needed to have at least. I, I think people wanted to see how she was dead. Like, yeah. I, like I thought at first maybe they would just show her feet or something, but really you wanted to see her neck slit. Yeah. The, slit. the other thing you have to do about that is this is a show that's obvious, that's being dissected by people all the time, and whenever <laughs> you've seen it on a hundred shows, if they don't actually show the body, you have arguments on the message boards. Oh, you know that could have been somebody else. <laughs> it could have been somebody else who was in there. Blah blah blah. Right. And so you know they. It was sort of like a necessary component to to the way television works now, which is right. that you have to, you kind of oh, have to. It was so good how they, she, she he saw it. You could just see him, mm-hmm. and the way he had to soak in the reality. Yeah, so good, so good. Really cool episode. Good show. The. Um, Got a kick of how the alcoholic lawyer was drinking Buffalo Trace. Why do you say she was an alcoholic? She put whiskey in her tea. That doesn't mean she's an alcoholic. Okay, well, drinking at work, putting whiskey in your tea, well, it's, very, I mean, it's very stereotypical for an alcoholic. Yeah, exactly, but I mean, it doesn't mean she's no, necessarily an sure, alcoholic. No. I mean, she could, she, somebody who drinks at work is not necessarily an alcoholic. Okay. Could be just somebody who has no respect for their job, which it certainly seemed that was right, the case. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's not alcoholic. Maybe it's uh, she's been beaten down so right, much yeah. that, fuck it, I'm going to put coffee in my tea. Or uh, a whiskey <laughs> in my tea. Whiskey in my tea. The, um, the technology and the hacks and everything. Uh, they're, they're like advisor. They're science advisor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really good. I mean, you know, I told you, I don't care I, I about know, the I know. Like, when... I was thinking about that when, you know, what you said last week about how science is third yeah. for you. But, I mean, I appreciate... When a show does the science, the technology is it, it, It's always involved. a bonus when, when they get the science right, too, uh, because it's it's a constraint that, that they're forcing on themselves, uh, both in terms of how you, you, know, you can't do magic and in terms of how do you make this interesting, right? How do you make a yeah. text-based thing interesting? Yeah. Visually the, interesting. You know, there's still, there's still some magic. He had not enough time to, right, it, but, to hack the, you know, to, to know his code would hack the control systems and things like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. There's always and then the way he, way he shortcuts. The way he infiltrated the code, right? It would have made more sense that he used that to get a remote tunnel, reverse tunnel in, and then hacked the jail, right? I mean, the way he yeah. got the code into the jail, that was good. But that wasn't the code to open Right. The, yeah, then you had the to map the, the whole code. But what that was, was that was him getting inside the jail. Mm-hmm. And then after another several months of mapping the jail, right. then he does this. Um, but, you know, just, the, I mean, there's 
lots and lots of really good stuff. I mean, real world type things, dropping the USB keys in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just the way he, he used real Bluetooth utilities to, to to hack the Bluetooth keyboard on the thing. The one thing they didn't make clear to a layperson was that he couldn't see what he was doing on the computer, right? It was just like if you took a Bluetooth receiver and plugged it into that computer and mm-hmm. you only had the keyboard in front of you. Right. And that's what he was doing. So they didn't make it so I think a layperson could appreciate how hard it is not to make because he made the, that little he had that little monologue about making a mistake. And I appreciated what he meant by yeah. having to type everything just right because um, even just like slipping the finger one little time could have screwed well, it up. Well, I, I didn't re- realize that. You're telling me that now and, and yeah. I, 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 I'm remembering this scene and, was, and yeah, I, I guess he didn't have a screen, but it worked for me fine, yeah. even though I didn't realize it. So, <laughs> the, so it had an the, extra layer that it worked for the people who right. rec- who understand technology as well. The only technology thing that um, you know took me out of it a little bit. It's it's a goofy thing, but you know, like I was looking at it. His computer's name, the host name for his laptop, is Elliot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know. Other than that, it's I mean, it's like you know, for him, his laptop would not be called Elliot. Plausible deniability. Why would I name my computer my name? I guess. <laughs> Where I think coincidence piles on harder than plausible deniability. I don't know. What's the name? Dread Pirate Roberts hit a fucking mycrimes.txt <laughs> file. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like on those terminal windows, they, yeah. it was root at Elliot, and uh, maybe they said it that way again for a layperson. Well, see, some people could follow, right? I mean, yeah, you have to let. Oh, to see which computer it was. Yeah, I mean, oh, you you have to you have to give. You don't have to like shine flashing lights on yeah. stuff, but you have you have to give people breadcrumbs. I, I'm guessing it was. I know how the prompt is formed, right. and I know that part of the prompt is the host name. Right. But for again, for a layperson, they wouldn't recognize that, and maybe they think that would be the username, and maybe they decided to change the computer's host name to Elliot for that shot to make it do that. Yeah, make so. it a little bit easier to follow. Yeah. Because, like I said, being able to follow, being able to make text stuff interesting and and dynamic, sure. absolutely, very hard to yeah. do. That's why they had the scene a couple episodes ago where they were making fun of hackers and <laughs> hackers did like rabbits chasing things, and mm. that was their version of viruses. Well, I mean, the, the scene after the uh, USB scene where he's talking to um, the the female hacker Darlene, Darlene I think Darlene, her name is. you know. And, calling her a script kitty and all that stuff yeah. you know i mean there was a couple lines in there a couple you know parts things that were like calling out again to again real things real so their technical direction is amazing and you know for greg it's the tertiary but you know for me when i'm watching a show that's trying to be that technical and it turns into csa cyber you know it just drives yeah. me up a wall and when this one like just hits every mark so well on the technical part it just like it gives me like an extra little jolt of excitedness i mean you know the, the csi cyber thing it's like you, you know you take that out of 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 the of the episode you just show it out of context and it's, it looks absolutely ridiculous now the, it, the fact remains that from what i understand i haven't watched the show but the show is absolutely that great. bad in every yeah. part mm-hmm. so but it's, you know see so i i've enjoyed doctor who doctor who is a show about a basic, basically a cosmic wizard. You, think, right. you can call it science fiction. The dude has a magic wand and a time traveling box. Mm-hmm. If you try to apply science to it, you're going to well, get sure. nowhere. You get, yeah, I'm fine with setting a show in it, the universe that it, mm-hmm. you know, that right. it, it's set in. And Mr. Robot, 
technically is set in the our universe. Yeah. The only thing that's really not in our universe is Evil Corp. Right. But again, it, you know, it could be Elliot's. Um, well, it's not actually called Evil Corp. He explained that in the first episode okay. that uh, it's called E Corp, but he's trained uh, his mind right. to hear it. As I wonder E-Corp. how much Dell likes that the logo looks a lot like the <laughs> Dell. I wonder how much they. <laughs> but uh, what about Allstate? I mean, the, the company that he works for that is mm-hmm. uh, all safe. It's all safe. Um, Steel Mountain. There's a lot of just <laughs> yeah. changing the things, but it's it. it uh, the, the the evil corp thing is explained that in, in episodes that aren't from Elliot or scenes that aren't from Elliot's point of view, it's just E Corp. It's not right, evil right, corp. Right. But whenever Elliot is in the scene and he's interpreting, we hear evil. Corp. Actually, I guess the E's kind of it, see since on all the computer stuff, it looks like Dell, but it's probably yeah. more of an Enron. Yeah, it is. Call. I think I think I read somewhere that yeah, it, it is sort of based on Enron, the idea mm-hmm. and how unscrupulous the people at the top of Enron were. Right. So th- there's. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. I mean, I'm glad you like the show. I'm glad I didn't keep you out of. Flop. No, I, I, uh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if I was buying. You know, was totally buying in by the after the first two, but I, I wasn't. You know, I told you. You know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep watching it, and yeah, it it uh, it, it kept it kept impressing me. How's Christian Slater treating you? Not great. I'm not a fan okay. of Christian Slater. I don't think Christian Slater is doing a very good job here. Okay. But do you think he's a real person or is he a manifestation? Or I don't see any. I don't see any situation in which he's not some sort of manifestation of Elliot's mind. And I, I, I think that it's, you know, I, I, he, it's the Tyler Durden type situation mm-hmm. where when you you can see Mister Robert interacting with people, but it's actually Elliot, right, doing the interaction. He's so yeah. he's the boss of. Yeah, F society. So all the other hackers are real, and all the other hackers don't have Christian Slater. They report to Elliot. Right. Yeah. Elliot's calling the shots. Yeah, I think that's the most logical thing that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Then again, I mean the the thing that the only, the only other thing that that they've put into it is that Elliot is kind of whacked out and crazy. So. It's it's a series of unreliable narrators, so we can't be too sure that we're always seeing the, you right. know this stuff from the right perspective. But I think clearly, Mister Robot is in some way a manifestation of Elliot, or Elliot's a manifestation of Mister Robot, or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, maybe it's all Christian Slater doing it, but he's imagining himself as the Elliot character. That's a stretch. Yeah, <laughs> I think the other way around is a lot more plausible. But I mean, it's a good idea to keep open. Yeah, you can't you can't hide the, the the people from Lost kind of figured this out. You can't hide mysteries from an audience that is that is carefully analyzing every single thing you do. Mm-hmm. So either you make your mystery so convoluted and distorted that <coughs> that people won't buy it when you reveal it, mm-hmm. which is what Lost did, or you just lay it all out there. Uh, and, you know, you say if people are going to find it, then people are going to find it. So you don't... Right. So you, I think it was uh, Dan Harmon from, you know, was saying that but, but Brick and Morty stuff, you can't... 
they had thought like the first season that they had it they were going to hold back some things but then they saw people on reddit were yeah for the first or second episode they there were people commenting and, and thinking of coming about all the stuff that they had like thought were a secret backstory they could put okay. in it, like the fourth or fifth season so it's like i think that the example he gave is, is your audience is now a render farm they are now they're coming up with all the possible solutions uh-huh. to the, your audience is the quantum computer coming up with all, all the possible solutions so you're not <laughs> you're not going to be able to hide things in plain sight anymore so i don't think i, I wouldn't you know i'm not going to be disappointed when it turns out like i think it will that there's sort of a fight club situation mm-hmm. going on here I don't think people should be disappointed because they predicted it. And I don't know if people will or not. It would be interesting to right. see. But I mean, yeah, trying to steer away from it. You know, that's where Lost got in the trouble, right? Right. Trying to make it unpredictable. Steering away from con- what they're seeing online. Mm-hmm. And just getting, you know, tied up in their own story. Right. Getting getting lost. Uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned that the the world they're in is different. So like yeah, the world Doctor Who is in is is a world where basically magical science stuff happens. So you don't put it away. The world that Elliot is in, the world that Mister Robot is in, is, is a much more realistic world. So that's part of structure. Part of structure is internal consistency. So if suddenly a wizard came into Mister Robot, then all of a sudden shit goes out the window, and then I'm going to concentrate on number three because <laughs> because your structure just fell apart. Um, so, you know, internal consistency is an important part of structure. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's just, I, I, I'm just kind of excited how good episodes came around. You know, I'm just thinking back to all the shots, the video, mm-hmm. you know, the oh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. I did a, a thing this week where, or one of these days uh, where I spoke, I did all my tweets in iambic pentameter. <coughs> I saw <laughs> <Did> that. <laughs> It took a couple people a few replies. Yeah, did did they get what I was doing? Uh, <laughs> I like how Dave, it was Dave. You know, your first one, you talked about how great iambic pentameter is, but yeah. the capital I looks like a lowercase l, so it looked like lambic. But <laughs> he picked up on that. Yeah, I, I didn't catch that until you know until until a couple of hours later. But uh, so I said, yeah, iambic pentameter is the shit. Was my first one to watch. If you, I mean, that one, that one was really. That, that that's hard to to make it iambic, but you could say mm-hmm. iambic pentameter is the shit. Eh, sort of works. Uh, or iambic pentameter, or iambic pentameter is the shit, or something like that. So you could do that. But then, so when uh, when Dave said uh, oh, there's a name for spontaneously fermented beer, I didn't catch, but I did. But I did say uh, the bugs that make the beer are very kind, <laughs> and. Yeah, and then of course there was just there was uh, Greg who was who was responding to me, and then eventually, after I did a couple of tweets at him, he caught on to what I was doing. <laughs> so I, you know, it's interesting. You quite you kind of see if while you're doing it, you see why it's a useful device. Why probably Shakespeare uses it a lot because it it constrains you. It, it's 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 like. In, in some sense, it's it's like an additional limit, you know, because Twitter gives you that 140 character limit, so you're you're forced into uh, into expressing yourself in that small amount. You have a contaminator gives you ten syllables. You're okay. forced to express yourself in these ten syllable chunks. So, how do you make a sentence that makes sense in mm-hmm. that? That's 
that takes craft. Right. So you really do get get an you get an understanding for the the intricacies of of doing stuff. Just, just trying a little exercise like that, you know, five or six tweets in the other container was it was hard to. I mean, you know, it took time to okay. How how can I write this in a way that <laughs> that works? Gotcha. So we talked last week about how my phone was goofed up, and I. Uh, so let's see. Well, when we did we did the show Sunday. So my phone was working at that point. It was a iPod Touch at that point. Everything was working except the cell antenna. Uh, so I went to work Monday, and radio still was broken. The battery drained really fast. Mm-hmm. I don't. One of two reasons: either the phone was like in high power mode, trying to make a cell phone connection, but it, it's still Probably. it's still drained. I put it in airplane mode. So I think the second reason is when I was drying the phone out. I toasted the battery, mm. got the phone too hot, killed the battery life. So Wednesday, so Monday, Tuesday, I kind of just lived with that, you know, got Wi-Fi at work. I was able to do everything I needed. Wednesday, I made a uh, Genius Bar appointment. And I know the people at the Apple store because we buy a lot of Apple stuff from them. They're regularly made the appointment at 1130. And this turned out to be very important to the story. Uh, make your appointments right at lunchtime, right before lunchtime. Try to get a genius who's a, who needs to go on a mandatory break relatively pretty quickly. I did try to get a <laughs> Try to... There's, try well, to there's, find, there's times that are more, the more likely than yeah. not, right? So, right? so I take my phone in, and there was two side effects. The um, cell antenna, you know, it was just say, where it has your service thing, it just says searching dot, dot, dot. And then if you looked like a, a mostly white screen, you could see like a diagonal line across the screen where like water is back behind the LCD or left something. I don't know what was causing it really. Uh, so I get the Genius Bar appointment. The business manager checked me in, sat me down. You know, So I had a little bit of cred already. And uh, the genius walked up. He looked at my phone for not more than five seconds, saw the searching dot, dot, dot. And before I know it, he has a refurb box pulled out from behind the counter and is starting to replace my phone. So I'm guessing the searching dot, dot, dot's a common failure, common enough failure that he didn't even look curiously at it. You didn't tell me before this the part about how you know these guys and you contact them all the time. So I think that played but a big role in this it, because they're not, they they deal with you all the time and these sorts of things. They're not going to give you a runaround where they might get the runaround to some. There's, there's times where, see, there's been, like we had a laptop with water damage and they their hands were tied they couldn't do anything you know there's things they can't or uh when heather's ipod ipad the screen got cracked i tried to get it replaced and i tried to put, i tried to cash in all my juice then and they couldn't do anything mm-hmm. they sold me a refurb at like a very good cost but they couldn't do anything to because like we bought the ipad apple care plus didn't exist accidental damage thing but like a month or two later is when apple care plus had come out so i was trying to get it retroactively added with the story i would have bought it if it was available um and i would have yeah but so they, they but their hands were tied there yeah. so it's not like i had enough juice to get everything to happen. right but this was a situation where everything seemed to be working you know except for the radio except for the radio but that must be common enough that he's seen it before because like i said he didn't spend more than five seconds diagnosing the phone as soon yeah. as he saw that he pulled out the refurb or maybe you got a new genius who didn't know what he was doing i mean there's always no, no he was amy the business manager set me up with one of the good ones right so uh 
and I also the the moisture detector on these phones it's inside the SIM slot and even if you pop out the SIM card it's really hard to see like I had to go in my manufacturing area at work and look under the microscope to get enough light in there and to get the angle to see it and it was bright red it was ruined um, like ugh. so I was fully expecting that they would check the moisture and I would game over but I'm not going to offer up that information yeah let's just see let's roll the dice and see what happens <laughs> and it happened like i said he started replacing the phone right away mm-hmm. had a bit of stress when he pulled out the sim card removal tool to swap the sim cards but he didn't check wiped it put it in the box to send back to china and i got a new phone with a fresh battery and Sweet. and my touch id button's quieter i told you i don't know if you remember but when we first got the new phone i was complaining about how noisy the touch id button was because my mind went clickety click all the time. It still went, like, even last week was going clickety-click. The new one's quiet. It's like my old phone's button. So, had a defect in my Touch ID button. Didn't even know it. Well, like you said, apparently these defects happen all the time. And yeah. it makes sense. I mean, it, these are pretty high-tech things that are... And then I have a second iOS device story. So, the Heather, or Ali's iPod. It's an fourth generation. It can't run the newest OS. It can run iOS 6. Um... It's battery life was shitty. Something on it was chewing up the battery. So I figured I'd just do a reset on it and reinstall. Not thinking that I can't download old apps from the App Store. Mm. And like every app she had has moved beyond supporting iOS 6. So like I couldn't install like anything on it. Uh, so I jailbroke it and put an NES emulator on it. And now it's like a little Game Boy. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> We're still going to have to get her a new iPod now. But... Now I have a little Game Boy, I guess, and other emulators. <laughs> you can't uh, install another iOS on it after you jailbreak it? I. That's a good question. I, I tend to think no. Because iOS might be something to look into. I'm not sure how well it would run on this iPod. But it's still cheaper than buying it. Yeah, yeah. And she, I mean,. Ellie's not going to care if, if it takes a few more seconds to load than yeah. normal. So I would look at it. This is the first time I used a jailbroken iOS device. I mean, you know, it's kind of nice being able to get into the command prompt on the thing and do stuff. Well, that's why we have the yeah the, the real thing. The real computers. computers. Yes. Have you ever heard the term red sky at night, sailor's delight? Yeah. Red sky. So... Um, <laughs> This is one of those sort of weather folklore things that actually has merit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually has to, you know, it has to do with high pressure zones and particulate matter. Okay. So you have essentially the idea is uh, red sky at night, so the sun is setting in uh, in the west. Mm-hmm. So the the winds are generally around the area that we're talking about, which is northern hemisphere, uh, east to west. Okay. So if you see a red sky uh, at night, the sun is shining through the west, and there's a lot, or wait a minute, is right. Rise in the east, sets in the west. Yeah. Right. So, so the particulate matter, which right. was in at the front, right, that would be. Right. A, so you have a particulate matter tends to be more. Wait, do the winds go that way? The winds go in uh, easterly, so because all our weather comes from the west. But maybe when I'm not sure about right, they come sailing. from the west and goes 
Well, it, if you're sailing, I'm trying to figure out how this works. I don't know if the wind goes differently on the over the oceans than it does over land, but I mean, all our weather comes from the west. So if the front was to the west, it means the high pressure zone's coming into you. That's what you want. Right. Where in the morning. In the morning. You have. You have it in the east, and so it means it's you past you, and that means you're in low pressure. So you're more likely to hit storm. Why don't you? Would, I guess. Register and morning sailor take warning. I think we're missing a big part of meteorology because, I mean, just because the front's to the east of you means you're in the high pressure zone. Or you gotta, you know, you have to wait for the low pressure zone to come in or something like that, right? Um, I I thought I would be able to remember it, but I don't remember <laughs> everything. So I have, I have somewhere on here. I have the link. I'll see if I can find it. Okay. Um, let's add a few things here. Did you see that tweet that I made? I retweeted Andy Crouch's um, tweet about the FTC has guides for like social media and bloggers and stuff about uh, disclosure and things like that. No, you yeah. didn't see that tweet. It's um, it's interesting, and, you know, because he was making a big deal about the people that went on the uh, the Budweiser Barley tour. And their hashtags, and they're not disclosing that they were paid to be there and stuff. He was. They were paid to be there. Well. Well, defined paid. <laughs> I don't think they received cash money, right. but the trip was covered and whatnot. Um, so he, you know, found this thing from the FTC, and it was interesting. I mean, I think it's relevant to what we do, you know, to to be, uh, you know, appropriate. Fair in the you know consumer's eyes and the FTC's eyes, you know we should say which beers are okay. given to us, and we should say, you know, things like that. You know, we love Spiegelau, mm-hmm. talk about Spiegelau, but they've never given us a penny, really. No, I mean, we've we've obtained a bunch of glasses for free, but that was our own yeah. volition. <laughs> <laughs> So did you get your... Uh, okay, so um, usually weather moves from west to east. In the mid-latitudes, the prevailing winds are westerlies. This means storm systems generally move in from the west, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we see red sky at night, this means the setting sun is sending its light through a high concentration of dust particles. This usually indicates high pressure and stable air coming in from the west. Okay. Basically, good air weather will follow. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And... Uh, a red sunrise can mean that a high pressure system, good weather, is already passed, thus indicating that a storm system could be moving in, maybe moving to the east. Right, um, might be, might be coming. Yeah. But might, yeah. It's it's, it's not, yeah. it's not foolproof. Right. But, Depends how yeah. big the pressures, the high pressure zone is, and how much it's moving. But it, it's indicative of um, whether you're coming into the front or past the front, high pressure front. So. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's one of those things, you know, I've, I've learned a couple of weather things along the way. Some are true, some are not true. Like the thing about cows always sitting when it rains, that's not true, it turns out. So there's, yeah, there's some truth in, you know, all, mm-hmm. all, these, all these things are, uh, I mean, th- this was in the Bible, uh, the uh, red sky. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think Jesus was talking to the Pharisees about it or something. 
interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very obviously very, I mean, very Somebody old. wrote a story about Jesus telling a story. Well, I mean, well, the, the if you look at the context of the story, it was him saying, you guys know this already. Here's something you don't know. The the stuff about the weather was stuff they knew already. Mm-hmm. Him him saying here's stuff you don't know uh, was like oh the extra the extra Jesusy stuff. Right. So it was not him saying this is new not new knowledge new information. It was him saying you guys already know this well known right, right. weather adage. So okay. Yep. Other cultures obviously picked up on this too. I just thought that was interesting. There are a lot there are these some of these things are have validity to them. Yes, sir. All right. I had a Molson stock ale the other day. It was in my dad's fridge, and it was decent. Yeah, you said you said I it said it didn't suck. It didn't suck. It was decent. And then uh, Molson stock ale's Twitter handle favorited my tweet today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not? <laughs> They're favoring tweets that don't suck. Here's a little science thing for you to 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 chew on. I've been trying to. Uh, I I sent this to a um a forum where sometimes they talk about things. I haven't gotten a response yet, but. This is just me rampant conjecture based on what little I understand about general relativity. So this is not even quantum mechanics. This is general relativity, uh, not a subject which I am very well versed in. However, <coughs> if you're inside the event horizon of a black hole, yes. the concept uh, that we have for what's going on in there is that all all geodesics in space-time will, will point towards the uh towards the um singularity right there's no paths there's no space time paths you can take that get you outside of the event horizon it simply doesn't mm-hmm. exist space is twisted right. so much so i thought about that and i was thinking about there's something of an analogy you can make to our universe if you think about our universe there are no space-time paths that you can take that don't lead towards the future. Okay. So, my big conjecture out there is, could the universe that we exist in be some sort of time hole? And everything is moving towards a temporal singularity. It's a neat thought, except, I mean, it's completely different, you know, time. Yeah, it's completely but maybe, different. maybe eternal time with no energy is the singularity or something like that. Because once you don't have energy, I time, mean, physics, time can't be measured, right? This is a hard time explaining what, this, what the arrow of time is, why it's there. Mm-hmm. And this would be this is an ad hoc, you know, assigned explanation. This is well, this sure, is sure, no but, evidence. But here, let's let's. I mean, I can talk into it a little yeah. bit, right? Because you know, if you start reading about descriptions of the far future, at a certain point, you can't measure time anymore because there's no energy. There's that, no events happening. No events happening. It sounds an awful bit, awful lot like a singularity. Well, sort of. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's but, an, but, it's a. It's, it's sort of in the same way that time is sort of a dimension. It's not really. It, it's, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, because at that point, you, there's no, when there's no energy, no events, you 
You're stuck. You can't move. Yeah. There's no distinguishing one. Right. I mean, so is it that different from being in a black hole singularity? I don't know. I mean, we don't even know if a black hole singularity actually exists. The newer newer stuff I've been reading about about black holes is uh, the concept that black holes actually never form. That there is no real singularity. It's just that space-time gets so twisted that it would take trillions of trillions upon trillions upon trillions of light times the universe for... So everything's just rapidly spinning around. Well, essentially what's or... happening is, is this is actually... If you were there like if you were somehow i don't know a conscious particle that was flying that that was you know that had reached the singularity it would it, it would essentially seem to be instantaneous all of a sudden this you know it collapses and booms out basically instantaneously but from the outside you see just everything just collapsing you know in when you're inside that maelstrom of of space time Time gets so slowed down that uh, that it just takes trillions upon trillions upon trillions of universe lifetimes for this th- for for this event to happen, which is simply a sort of collapse and rebounding of energy. Okay, that's kind of the the new the the new edgy concept of black holes, which I, again again general relativity not my subject. But it sounds cool. <laughs> All right. So here's something that is my subject. Sort of similar. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about symmetries last time, but I wanted to try to... Try to and we talked a little bit about string theory, too. I wanted to try to give you an idea, see if I can do this, about how, how dimensions can come about... Uh, from perspective, so let's see if I can give it this way. If you think about a photon, all right? Uh, pho- now, the photon technically doesn't have a frame of reference. There's a reason for 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 why, but I won't get into it. Anyway, if you can imagine what a photon would see, a photon doesn't experience the time dimension, and it really doesn't experience at least one of the spatial dimensions. To the photon, the universe is essentially a flat surface, a two-dimensional surface. See okay. if you follow me. Follow, see if you're following with me so far. I, I follow. I didn't know that, and the question is why. Well, because is it, ans- well, is it answerable? Well, I mean, it, it's answerable in, in the sense that the photon doesn't, like I said, it, it the photon doesn't experience time. I understand that part, right? I don't understand why it can't have three dimensions. Well, because in the the same way that time is turned to zero. Uh, Travel dimension. The, the, oh, the direction, the direction it's going. Yeah, gets flattened. Right. <laughs> so the direction it's going gets collapsed. Mm-hmm. The other two dimensions that it can experience, it's not going there. So they don't matter anyway. They don't matter anyway. But it is oscillating in those dimensions, okay. right? So it is an oscillating electric and magnetic field in those dimensions. So those okay. dimensions exist in so, on some level for it, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a question of whether you can even say that, that the other two dimensions exist at all. But you could imagine, you know, you can at least pull out an imaginary concept, a sort of toy universe where a photon... So a photon exists over its entire length of its travel? Yeah. Yeah. So 
we'll let you we'll let you think on that. But okay, so let's assume that what I'm saying is true for now. All right. So a photon experiences this sort of two dimensional universe. There is without the Higgs field, the same would be true of an electron. Electron would experience two dimensional universe too. It would travel the speed of light. When the Higgs field snapped on, the electron suddenly found itself <coughs> bound to this energy field. And because of how it's bound to this, this thing called the Yukawa interaction, won't, again, won't get into it, because of how it's bound, it has it gains this term, this mass term. And suddenly it experiences this extra spatial dimension and this extra time dimension simply because it is it has a uh, interaction with the Higgs field if it didn't it wouldn't experience the, this this other dimension at all okay so so if you can think about that you can sort of see how a particle or something else might experience more dimensions that we don't interact with. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that's sort of the concept behind string theory is that maybe these oscillations are occurring in dimensions that we don't interact with. Problem is we would likely see them. We would see some evidence of them. And so the idea is, okay, well, these dimensions we don't interact with are also really, really small. Right. That's where that, that's where the idea of string theory comes from, or the 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 modern conception of of what's going on at uh, at brain theory really is where this okay. whole thing comes from. Cool, it's cool stuff. It is, yeah. Well, I have a whole bunch of other stuff, but we can get into that later. Yeah, let's drink some beer. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> 